0: If you find it impossible to read and understand corporate documents, help is on the way.
1: This ChatGPT is kind of deciphering the negative information and amplifying the contents and then like making the summary more concise and more informative, evidenced by its explanatory power uh, to explain the stock market movements.
0: Welcome to The Pie. I'm your host, Tess Viglund. Economists are always talking about the pie, how it grows and shrinks, how it's sliced, who gets the biggest share. In this show, we're talking about the most pressing matters of the day seen through the lens of economics. The Pie is a production of the University of Chicago's Becker Friedman Institute. And in this episode, the show is entirely produced by an AI chatbot. Okay, not really, but eventually it might happen. AI is expected to change the way entire industries do their work. The debut last year of ChatGPT signaled the start of an era that some experts say will be as revolutionary and disruptive as the iPhone and even the internet itself. So, today we're going to hear about how generative AI, as it's called, could help change how we understand corporate America's communications. Suffice it to say, public companies don't do a great job of explaining themselves, often hiding behind jargon and other financial jibber-jabber. Maximilian Moon is an assistant professor of accounting at the Booth School of Business, and Alex Kim is a PhD student at Booth. And they've asked ChatGPT to, in effect, translate corporate disclosures. And what they've found in their research could have a significant impact on investors. Well, Maxi and Alex, welcome to The Pie.
2: Hello, thanks for having us. Thank you.
0: Before we get to your research findings, I'm really curious to know whether this was your first experience with an AI chatbot. Had you had you played around with it before? Maybe, I don't know, asked it for a recipe, anything like that? Um, or did you just launch into the meat of corporate disclosure, <laughs> Maxi? Good question. So for, for me, It actually
2: started all in November. Basically, I think for as for many other people as well, when ChatGPT came out, end of November, I immediately got excited seeing on Twitter how people are using it, and then also using it myself, writing text, summarizing text, both for private reasons, but also even how I do my own like work, for example, like um, yeah, if I have long text, summarizing it, if I need to transfer code from one language to another, it actually was incredibly useful. But I personally, I didn't know about these things beforehand. Um, So for me, my journey started essentially in November last year.
0: Okay. How about you, Alex?
1: Same here. Uh, When it just first came out in November, I was excited about this. Everybody was talking about how great it is. And then I just tried... Several things, and then like you know, just getting out some recipes, as you said, like for <laughs> private reasons, you know. And then I was like, I- I'm I'm not a native English speaker, so I give my own text what I wrote uh, to correct it and make it sound more native, and then it was like incredible. And then I just realized that this thing does an incredible job, especially in like summarizing long texts. When we just give him, I just refer ChatGPT him instead of it because, you know, it's almost <laughs> a human being. So
0: <laughs> I don't know. What if it's a she?
1: <laughs> yeah, it's a, yeah, she or him, like either way. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So like when I just give him my own texts, it's so good at summarizing and correcting mistakes and making it sound more natural. And then like that was like actually the starting point of this research.
0: Huh. Yeah, I, I haven't tried it yet, actually. I, I almost went in about a week ago and asked it for help with a spreadsheet, but then I just, you know, I did it myself. Um, uh, how would you describe the experience for those of us who haven't had it? I mean, it's, I think the
2: key advantage is it's so easy to use. You basically just look in and then you type in your prompt so there's no additional setup needed. There's no like coding needed. You basically you really just tell them what they should be doing and at least the first few times I used it, I was really, really surprised that something like this is even possible. Now, the more you use it, you also sometimes see the limitations. But uh, for me, this was still so amazing, like seeing the first applications
0: there. Huh. All right. Well, let's get to this research. And I'm curious, of all the things you could have asked ChatGPT to do, uh, you asked it to basically summarize corporate disclosures. Um, first. For those who may not be familiar, explain what those disclosures are, and then why that?
2: Sure. So, yeah, basically, these, we are accounting, accountants, accounting researchers, um, and we deal a lot with corporate disclosures. That's essentially our bread and butter. Public firms in the U.S. are required to publicly file these 10K reports, annual reports, or quarterly reports, the 10Qs, and they also do voluntarily conference calls basically every quarter. The earnings call. Yeah, earnings calls, essentially, where they discuss with analysts and so on how the last quarter went. And these co- uh, conference calls and these 10-Ks, they uh, have a lot of new information in it, especially the conference calls because they reveal how the last quarter went, um, why it went in a certain way, and so on. And there has been, like... A lot of literature, at least in the last like 10 years or so, that basically say that these corporate disclosures get more complicated, more and more complex, longer and longer. It takes longer for the market to react to it because it's so hard to get basically um, yeah decipher them in a way. And so, yeah. I
0: mean, I have to say, I I have personally read through them, and it's a lot of gobbledygook.
2: Yeah, that's true. Especially to use a technical term. <laughs> yeah, a lot of technical terms, especially also for ten Ks and ten Qs, like a lot of boilerplate language, a lot of hatching that you, to avoid litigation and so on. So basically, we looked at these type of disclosures, both conference calls, which are more like yeah interactions with analysts, but also these MD&A section, item 7 within the 10K, which contains um, information about, um, like for example, the risks of the firm or the opportunities of the firm, basically a discussion of the management or how they see the current business. And so we used these two pieces of disclosure and basically yeah, ran them through ChatGPT because, as Alex mentioned um, we noticed that it's incredibly well in summarizing um uh, uh, these this these pieces of information more more broadly but then we also realized it's actually pretty good also in terms of summarizing these corporate disclosures and that's essentially how it all started
0: <laughs> and they're really you kind of touched on this but there has been a movement in the last few years to make these statements these disclosures easier to read using plain english and You know, not even just written documents, but as you mentioned, the earnings conference calls. Regulators have been asking for this even, right?
2: Yeah, the SEC essentially has long been concerned about this issue. So they had this plain English initiative where it was mostly about, yeah, that it should be written in more understandable language. Um, I think, yeah, that's, I mean, yeah, as you mentioned, especially for someone who is not trained in reading them, but even for people who are, it really takes a long time understanding what's going on.
0: Okay, so Alex, walk me through what you fed to chat GP2. Like, what did you ask it to do? And honestly, again, for those who haven't tried it, like me, describe what you actually do. How do you feed it? You just type in a corporate disclosure, you cut and paste something in there, what?
1: So basically, ChatGPT uh, is trained for general language purposes. Um, it is capable of generating sentences. But like I have to mention that ChatGPT is not a god. So it is good at creating not yet. sentences. Not yet. <laughs> <but> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Not yet. But it's, um, it's currently evolving. But at the same time, uh, the way that it is trained, it is using a large data set of texts, and then it is trained to create sentences that sound very natural. That is it. So when you ask a question, it might answer in a very different way, in a a wrong way. So we cannot guarantee the accurateness or correctness of the answers provided by ChatGPT. So based on this prior knowledge, what I did with the corporate texts was just giving the corporate text to the ChatGPT and explicitly, explicitly say in the prompt not to refer to the outside information.
0: So basically, you're telling it not to go crawling around the web to find information that is not in the text that you're feeding it? Essentially, yes. Okay.
1: So actually, it has some token limits. So token limit is basically saying that the uh, amount of input text that we can give to ChatGPT is limited. Hmm. But the corporate disclosures themselves are very lengthy. It, it far exceeds these token limits. So what do you do? So we chunked. We chunked uh, the, <laughs> uh, the corporate disclosures into various pieces and the numerous pieces and then like, like processed each chunk. And then we collected everything. So we concatenated or aggregated the summaries of each chunk and then generated an entire summary for each corporate disclosure.
0: And then you compared those results from ChatGPT to what the the, the summary that you already input to it?
1: No, no. Basically, um, our primary test uh, is about like whether the summaries provided by ChatGPT can better explain the stock market movements. So, as Maxi said, and as in the previous discussion, these disclosures are particularly important. Um, in a sense that it can, they can actually explain what is going on in the stock market. They contain new information, and it provokes uh, stock market activities in a real-time manner, and then actually we can see some stock market movements um, like in a contemporaneous manner, like when these disclosures are released to the public. So basically, um, what we calculate is the textual sentiment.
2: Yes, what investors try to clean from these disclosures or from these conference calls is essentially the tone. So is it positive news? Is it negative news? And yeah, as Alex mentioned, what we essentially did is we we looked at the tone of these summarized documents relative to the original documents. And we saw, especially for these uh, written disclosures, like a striking difference in their ability to explain contemporaneous stock market returns which really suggests that there seems to be information or the key information is still contained in the summaries and probably aggregated in a very concise manner because, yeah, it's capable of explaining these uh, returns.
0: Well, I mean, one of the things that corporate America is known for, I think it's fair to say, is unnecessary verbosity, right? And it's especially true when a company is trying to communicate bad news, right? Dissemble bury me, the investor, in in word salad. So is that something that you're looking for ChatGPT to maybe bring a little more accuracy to that?
1: Yeah, sort of, yes. Uh, So when we take a look at the initial results, um, the originally positive documents become more positive in their summaries. And what is even more interesting is the originally negative documents become more negative in their summaries. So basically, what you said, Tess, is basically this uh, the, this chat GPT is kind of deciphering um, the negative information and amplifying um, the contents and then like making the summary more concise and more informative um, evidenced by its explanatory power uh, to explain the stock market movements
2: yeah essentially as you mentioned I mean I think what you said, that managers try to, if there's bad news, they try to explain it for a very long time, maybe hide it somewhere. So what we also realized then essentially is, so we first looked at the summaries themselves and saw that they explain pretty well what's going on. But yeah, what also immediately came to our mind is, okay, what's the information that's essentially left out of these summaries? So... Is it these redundancies? Is this all this? The word salad. Yeah, the word salad, essentially. Yeah. The word salad that the manager tries to use in order to hide like the underlying performance or something like this. So this was essentially then our next focal point, looking at essentially the bloat in the disclosures that Chet GBT or GBT more broadly is taking care of.
0: Yeah, so that's what you call this this dissembling, this word salad. You You call it bloat, which I love. So, talk about what the equation is here. What what exactly are you measuring? I assume it's not as simple as, you know, comparing how many words are in the company's summary versus how many are in ChatGPT. So, what what are you measuring?
2: No, that's that's actually exactly what we is that doing. It, right? That, that's <laughs> okay, the idea of the bloat measure, but that's what's actually so cool about this measure. Yeah, it's essentially that. So, you the, this algorithm is optimized for providing summaries. So, basically, we take the length of the summary compared to the original document. And we find that basically the reduction in the length is pretty uh, powerful in terms of explaining like information symmetry and so on in the market. But yeah, that's why we love the measure. It's so simple. It's so intuitive. Yeah. It's so easy to implement. Just to add on,
1: it is actually maximizing the signal-to-noise ratio or like informativeness of the um, textual information. So basically uh, what we get from the GPT um, is the document that maximizes the informativeness compared to its length.
0: Yeah, signal to noise. That that to me is key because it's, so many of these documents contain a lot of noise.
1: Exactly. That is why um, the bloat measure is like actually 20% of the original length. Wow. So basically it is saying like we can just take away like 80% of the original document and then maintain only 20% and then it can actually better explain the stock markets.
0: Amazing. So this is kind of surprising. Yeah, yes. um, I'm curious, what do you see in terms of variation from company to, to company? Surely some are better at this than others, right?
2: Yeah, so we see a lot of variation in this bloat measure across companies, but even within companies. So that was essentially our next focus. So what explains this difference in disclosure bloat, essentially? And yeah, as one would expect, if performance is worse, if the quarter or the year wasn't as good as expected, the bloat measure increases. So there seems to be much more, yeah, word salad or something like this, or unnecessary details to maybe obfuscate Um, the underlying performance but perhaps also because it's much more more complicated to explain a negative quarter relative to a positive one that was in line with expectations so we essentially find yeah performance plays a role so the worst the performance both in terms of actual like earnings performance but also stock market performance in a way and also if like traditional measures of linguistic complexities are higher for example if the if you calculate a measure of plain English, how easy it is to understand, then we also find if, like the readability in terms of plain English is lower, typically also our disclosure load measure goes up.
0: Yeah, I mean I, that was kind of a basic question here, right? You know, is is Chat GPT a, a good finance writer? You know, there's a lot of finesse and language and terms that are that are kind of required for this kind of thing. Um, So, does it do well, not just shorter and more understandable, but within the legal confines of what's required from these disclosures?
2: I only read through like a handful of them, but they sounded like how you would expect corporate disclosure sound, but you're definitely right. I mean, corporate disclosures, they have to fulfill other requirements as well. You have to, for example, disclose all your risks and maybe a summary leaves out the less meaningful or less important risks in a way. Exactly.
0: Yeah. So Alex, you were the glutton for punishment here, apparently. (laughs) (laughs)
1: So basically, I just want to be as objective as possible. But like when I read through the original documents, I see so many jargons or like law-related terms. Like as Maxi said, uh, companies have to include such terms to evade such like legal complications or things like that. And then like when, when I read through the summaries, such legal terms are almost eliminated. The most important feature is that it just focuses on the most notable number. That is it. So, like, if net income is the most important or the salient feature that the managers are actually try, actually investing a lot of time to explain, uh, the summary just focuses on the net income. And then, like, just discard seemingly less important information.
0: You also looked at uh, what you called theme-specific summaries. Uh, for example, how, how ESG measurements come through, right? And this is environmental, social, and governance, ESG, uh, and that is a measure of corporate responsibility that's kind of come into play over the last 10 years or so. What difference did ChatGPT make there?
2: What we think is really cool about this, we can essentially use this tool to extract targeted summaries about certain topics. And in the paper we show, it works with ESG. It behaves as we would expect. So in the early years, 2009, 2010 of our sample, ESG information is not much uh, included in these summaries, simply because managers probably didn't perceive them as important as it is today. And then over time, it becomes more and more important. But more broadly, I think this also shows that, for example, if other researchers or um, not researchers, but also investors and so on, could be interested in certain topics, like they want to find out what the impact is of, um, for example, taxation changes, you basically can ask ChatGPT. you just write a simple prompt, extract the most relevant information about taxes for this company, and you get a very good summary. Um, It makes it so much easier because there are typically other ways how you get this type of information, that you basically create a keyword list of all the terms that are related, for example, to ESG, and then you search through the document, searching for these terms, and then try to extract the information this way. But this seems to be a very simple, intuitive, and well-working way to get essentially a better extraction of the key topics that one is typically interested in.
0: So Maxi, it it all sounds like Frankly, every public company should be using Chat gpt in its disclosures and, and its call summaries. Is there a downside to doing that? Um,
2: I'm not sure whether companies should be using it. I think it may be more information intermediaries like uh, firms that aggregate this information or maybe even the regulator could offer like, a summarized version of these documents such that like, regular investors can basically look at those mostly.
0: And understand them.
2: Yeah, essentially understand them, and I think that in fact there are currently one or two like uh, startups that basically do a pretty similar thing that summarize these earnings calls and offer them on their platform, such that uh, retail investors or regular investors can just basically digest this information. Um, so I think yeah, it's it's maybe less the companies that have to provide this information, but more so yeah, information intermediaries or um, yeah regulators. So just to add on to Max's
1: answer, uh, just a little bit about the downside or like what we should caution about the results is just related to what Max explained before. So actually, we are currently investigating what is being left out by the GPT summarizer. When we summarize things, we're just focusing more attention on more important aspects, but it doesn't necessarily mean that the parts that are being left out are like not important at all. So basically for investors, um, even though they can just like use the summaries as guides to know what to focus on, but it doesn't necessarily mean that they should disregard everything that is being left out of the summary.
0: So it's really a buyer beware.
1: Yes, exactly.
0: So given your experience with this experiment, um, this research, I wonder if either of you have thought at all about how ChatGPT could be used for good within the economic and corporate sphere outside of disclosures. Um, have you thought at all about how how you would like to see it used, either of you?
2: Yeah, very good question. I think, like, this entire ChatGPT generative eye movement, I mean, has profound implications, probably. At least to me, it feels like a really disruptive technology that could change a lot how... Yeah,
0: I mean, it's been compared to the printing press, right?
2: Yeah, I To be honest, I I cannot uh, think about a new technology that I adopted as quickly as uh, GBT or chatGBT. I mean, there are also a lot of generative AI that is targeted to creating images and so on. So it feels extremely disruptive, I think, not only for the financial world, but probably also how certain tasks uh, are done. Basically, writing emails could become easier and yeah, I mean, I think there's also some research focusing on now which jobs are probably most impacted by this revolution in terms of... Yeah, yeah.
0: high journalist. <laughs>
2: yeah, or accountants, maybe. Well. Uh-oh. Yeah.
0: <laughs> How long do I have? <laughs> so, yeah,
2: that I think this will be so interesting to see what will happen over the next few years. Um, a lot of companies are licensing access to the platform such that they can do certain tasks... automatically via ChatGPT without having any manual input. And even for myself, I know it's sometimes where I would have asked an RA to do something like summarize this document or, I don't know, help me with the code or so. It's sometimes just easier to type this into ChatGPT and get a quick quick answer there. So, yeah, I think it will have a lot of profound implications, not only for the financial world. But yeah, that's a little bit of speculation on my part.
0: Alex?
1: Yeah, basically the same with Maxi. It's going to change the world this is like undeniable fact that it's evolving so fast and then the next version will be even better than what we have right now it's it's going to change a lot of things but like as i mentioned before one thing that we have to caution is that like gpt is just like language creating machine so as of now like even if even though we can just create some like creative stuff but like when it comes to tasks that require accuracy or responsibility, ChatGPT is not very reliable, especially when it is referencing its outside sources of information. So basically, I think the most important or the most profound way that it can impact our everyday life is that we have to learn how to integrate ChatGPT in the most efficient and the most accurate manner in our everyday tasks. as Maxi said, we can write the original code and ask ChatGPT to fix the bugs, or we can write the original document and ask ChatGPT to summarize or correct the grammar grammar mistakes and make it sound more natural, like things like that. It could be our assistant at the time being, but it cannot replace us like like entirely.
0: I'm very glad to hear you say that. as a human being on this earth i'm very happy to hear that well you both have convinced me and um as soon as we're done here i'm gonna go i'm gonna go try to see if i can i don't know maybe i'll do the recipe maybe i'll do a spreadsheet something yeah gotta get used to it right
2: i mean yeah Yeah. sure it's so easy to use even my mom started using it and she's retired and she has a lot of fun with it <laughs> okay. as well. So, yeah, I could I can't, ima- or can't remember a technology that was as easily adopted.
0: Great. Well, Alex and Maxi, thank you so much. This has been fun.
2: Thanks a lot. Thank you
0: for having us. The Pi is a production of the Becker Friedman Institute for Economics at the University of Chicago. If you'd like to keep in touch with the latest economic research from the University of Chicago, you can visit bfi.uchicago.edu slash subscribe. And you can sign up for our newsletter there as well. And, of course, you can subscribe to The Pie on any of your favorite podcast platforms. Our theme music was composed by Story Mechanics, production assistance from the BFI communications team. I'm Tess Vigland, your host and executive producer. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.